1: Welcome to the United the Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen, where every week we bring you some of the top hits of the week that will uh, be important news for you to know and commentary about that. Big on the radar this week, of course, the Democrat debates, not much of a debate, really. Number one. Number two, we've got some national security related issues to cover. And between all of the above that we're going to talk about, Greg, my usual co-host on the United Lynn Empire radio show, had to take the day off to attend to some personal business. So we've invited Tom Trento, who's the director of the United West, on the United IE radio show. There's a lot of uniting going on right now. Uh, It's my pleasure to welcome in Tom Trento, who has uh, some thoughts about the debates, and he's a national security expert, and apparently, based on a video that he put out before the debates, he is a student of debating. So I can't think of a better person, Tom, than to have you join us so we can talk about the debates and then get into something that's uh, squarely in your wheelhouse, which is Trump doctrine and national security. Tom, what a pleasure Pleasure it is to have you with us.
2: Always good to be with my uh, brother from another mother in the Inland Empire. Good to see you and hear you.
1: Good to be with you, Tom. I miss you. Uh, We need to do this more often, but we've got a lot of great fodder for uh, for you to be able to dig into with us. First of all, you you sent out a great video, how to watch the debates Uh, before we actually get into what happened uh, or more appropriately, what didn't happen uh, in the uh, Democrats uh, debates this week. Tell us a little bit about your advice for watching the debates, how to watch the debates, because this is just the first round. There's going to be a lot more of this, so people could really use your advice on how to listen to Democrats. Yeah,
2: the, the title of our video was How to Watch the Democrat Presidential Debate, dot, 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 without losing your mind, OK? <laughs> and, and the context for that is very simple. Uh, I hang around with conservatives who have a clear apparatus for analytical thinking. They have a proposition a proposition B conclusion C we have found in the, uh, in the Marxist world. And that's who these people are, Don. These are Marxists. In fact, you can rename this debate. I'm the Marxist here. No, you're not. I'm the Marxist here. No, no. I'm the Marxist here. <laughs> that's all you heard last night. Well, we have found in that community, they have abandoned Aristotelian logic, Aristotle's turning over in his grave, and they can't connect cohesive thoughts together. So as a conservative, a clear-thinking conservative, how do you, how do you watch two hours of that without going crazy? So I gave some some points, some insights, some hints. If you really want to watch it, this is what you got to do.
1: Well, so now that we've had the debates, tell us, did it live up to your expectations? Did we actually get uh, Marxism uh, doctrinaires debating each other about how to out-tax, give away more freebies, and further bind the freedom and liberty of Americans?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, the debates last night in Miami, and there's another one tonight, uh, in Miami, with the uh, second ten off the trash heap of history, as uh, President Trump refers to them, uh, they they highly exceeded my expectations because my expectations were sent were were established below sea level. Okay, I had below sea level expectations, and they exceeded them by about a, a millimeter. Uh, it was. A circus, we used that metaphor in in our video, and um, the the circus was simply a race to the left, a race to Karl Marx's doctrinaire political philosophy. And uh, it was, if it wasn't for real, if the consequences that hinge in the balance for 330 Americans Weren't devastating. This would be comedy. This would be tremendous comedy, but it's more Greek tragedy than tremendous comedy.
1: Well, it was ac- it was actually comedy because it was uh, nine normal sized people and Bill De Blasio debating each other the first night. Uh... <laughs> well, I
2: I, I, re- I saw a little uh, a little tweet. Somebody said. Um, I wonder which of the elves won the debate. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I had no idea some of them were as short as they are. Of course, you never know on TV exactly how tall someone is until you see them, especially compared to uh, to Bill de Blasio. Um, So so. Before we get into some of the serious uh, components of the debate and the policy prescriptions and the outright Marxism that was on display, i got to ask you a question. Julian Castro talked about reproductive justice for trans men. i got to know, because not that you're necessarily an expert in this stuff, what in the heck is reproductive justice for trans men?
2: Uh, what is that? I was I was floating around Facebook uh last night watching it, and I saw somebody put up that question. I go, Oh wait a minute, it's done. I saw you put that question up. I was <laughs> I laughing did. my head off. Um uh, again, back to Aristotle. You know, words have meaning and words constructed, laid out in a particular way have a coherent thought. If you assign any value to normal words, you change the ability to communicate coherently and logically unless you live in that world. So you're asking the wrong person, I have no idea (laughs) what reproductive justice for a trans man. I always have an answer for everything. Don, I have no idea what that means.
1: And unfortunately, probably there's a portion of our audience out there, along with me, that doesn't fully appreciate what is a trans man. This is this is a a, a guy who essentially is converting to a woman, at least for, through hormone therapy, probably a little minor surgery to remove some equipment. But there's no way you can implant a womb into a man, a viable womb to have babies. So the just the the sheer idea of a trans man being able to have an abortion. I mean, to me, this is the, this is the ultimate clown car collision in the cul-de-sac of progressive idea. You know, think speak there's, there's no way. I don't even know that he understood what he said. (laughs) Well,
2: two points. One, clearly you're a, 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 a homophobic Islamophobic hater because of your, um, your analytical evaluation of that. That's, uh, for your listeners, this is where we've come to. People like us conservatives who critique things based upon a factual basis uh, run into the inability to the person making the foolish statement to understand the critique so the New jerk response is that we hate them or we're we're nasty people somehow, as opposed to your freaking concepts make no sense, as opposed <laughs> to that. So that's number one. Number two, Julio Ulio Castro, you know, um, he had to do something. He had to he had to beat Beto O'Rourke for uh, you know the Texas uh, cheerleader for the Democrats. They probably came up with these kind of crazy words that sound great on the left. You know, the left loves these these convoluted words. And you put justice together and reproductive and trans. God, you're a hero. They were clapping when he said that. And my eyes were spinning in my head. What are
1: you talking about? (laughs) they were clapping it was like finally someone's addressed the most <laughs> critical issue in facing Western the survival of Western civilization all right Tom we got to take a quick break I so appreciate you joining us the voice of that you're hearing is Tom Trento he is the director of the United West we'll talk a little bit about what the United West is all about and why it's a go-to a must go-to site so you can stay up on matters relating to Israel we'll talk about that with Tom coming up national security security. security, and whatever hilarity we can get into uh, regarding the uh, the, just all of the enemies of Western civilization, you find them all on theunitedwest.org. Back
0: after we hear from Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding of Marino Valley, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event Heard Weekends here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, the main event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM
4: 590, The Answer. AM Equal
0: Five ninety, the answer.
3: This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at four o'clock on AM five ninety, the answer.
1: Welcome back to the United England Empire. We are fortunate to have with us Tom Trento, Director of the United West at theunitedwest.org. dot org tom you uh, in your in your preparation video, you specifically spoke about how to prepare people to hear the uh, progressive narrative uh, I should say the the Marxist narrative. Veiled In progressive language, there was a poll done not too long ago. Young Americans are embracing socialism. Generation Z has a more positive view of the word socialism than previous generations and along with millennials are more likely to embrace socialist policies and principles than past generations. Tom, what gives with the embrace of socialism by the younger generation? Don't they study history?
2: No, they do not study history. A, and when they do study history, if they do, if to some extent they uh, they study history, then their professors tell them when they study uh, Marxism, and I want to I want to develop that for a little bit here. When they do sit down to study Marxism, Leninism, the two together, the the Marxist professors tell them, look, the system isn't bad. It's been the implementation of the system that's failed. In its purity, communism, communalism, uh, the, the uh, eradication of private property, centralized government, benefits derived from the state to everyone, from everyone's ability to everyone's need. These are principles made in the heavens. It's been the implementation. We've had some bad people do it. But you, you, the new millennials, this generation can do it. Get out there. Justice, trans justice, trans freedom, reproductive justice, you know. And that's the way it goes. They tickle the ears of the students, not to say the system is a piece of crap. It's deadly and destructive. It's the implementation. And then you got these wide-eyed students. Now, how do I know this? I know it because I happen to have expertise on this, but I also went undercover. Into Antifa, right after President Trump was elected, I joined uh, some clubs, communist clubs. They didn't know me. Uh, here in Florida, I was able to hang with them for about three weeks. No way. Learned, uh, you know, and that was great. I learned a lot of their thinking. And it was, it was hysterical, uh, but this is this is what their view is. Now they add one point to it. Let me stop if you have any questions. Then I'll tell you the point that the modern day antifa anarchist Marxists add to uh, the doctrine that isn't being told by de Blasio and others who live in the same camp as Karl Marx. They're just Marxists of different degree
1: well what i, I don 't have any questions necessarily. I want to get right to the punchline of you uh going undercover that I find that kind of humorous because uh, folks don 't know Tom is about as gray as I am uh, he 's energetic, a lot more energetic than I am but i would I would guess that the average age of an antifa uh, brown shirt socialist is has got to be twenty five I want to know how you fit in but before before we we, we dig into that. I think it's pretty hilarious. Just the whole concept of Antifa, anti-fascist, is what Antifa stands for. These are the people that want to shut down free speech. These are the people that swing bike locks into the heads of their opponents. These are the people that will do everything that they can to stop their opponents. They take over downtown Portland, Oregon, and redirect traffic. The, they're the the very de- the, the the huge irony of all this is they're the very definition of fascists. Um, We had a great example of that. James O'Keefe, this is another topic I wanted to get into you with. Um, Google should be renamed Scroogle after what we learned about them. We all knew it. We all knew that the deplatforming was going on, conservative voices losing their uh, financial uh, connection to YouTube, getting deplatformed, age restricted videos of on socialism, as a matter of fact, from none other than Dennis Prager. But now we have we have the smoking gun, if you will. James O'Keefe goes undercover. Speaking of undercover, and he gets Google executives on video saying we're going to do everything we can to stop a repeat of 2016. I had Dr. Robert Epstein on the Jenna Don show earlier this week who's documented how Google influences undecided voters by feeding them. And they exactly know who the undecided voters are based on their vast – they've got a bigger database on us than NSA does. And what what they're able to do is identify the undecided voters and feed them the leftist information to influence their voting – Everything from Google, Silicon Valley, down to Antifa, they're all fascists. That's the very definition of fascism is shutting down free speech. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And um, uh, James O'Keefe, because that's very, very current, he has been banned, deplatformed from almost all social media last night. Uh, We were hit, United West, uh, two months ago. They took a couple of my uh, PayPal accounts. So, yeah, you know, this is what's coming to um, the propagators of uh, liberal thought are opposed to uh, free speech, because when you speak freely, you speak critically. If you can't withstand the intensive investigative element of free speech in your viewpoint or your company, what do you do? You kill the speaker. You know, you don't change the situation to answer your uh, question. I've done this a couple of times. Uh, a couple of years ago in Chicago, I went to a all-day communist meeting at DePaul University,
4: oh, and I, I
2: go in I go in as a retired New Jersey Union truck driver, right? Now, ah. much of that is absolutely true. I was, I was... a truck driver in New Jersey. <laughs> um, I am, I'm retired. You know, you know I, don't, I volunteer right? my work. Yeah, and my father, who just was causing trouble in my office, ninety six years old. He's still a Teamster, still a truck driver, member of truck driving Teamster Union wow. in in, uh, in Jersey. So I go in, and they love me because and I can't do this on the Muslim side. They know me. The Communists did not know me, and they love me because they see me as oh man, these are one of the guys we want to get on their side. So you use what you what would be perceived to be a weakness as a strength in any undercover kind okay. of. A situation but but the thing that hit me and I'm a an evangelical christian and and there's always you know you you fight these cultural battles and these kids you're right they were 19 to 25 and they were they were the the outcasts at school they were the um, good thinkers you know uh but the uh, socially awkward And my heart just broke for them because you could see these kind of kids. Uh, They weren't the jocks. They weren't the superstars. They weren't getting all the nice girls. So they gravitate toward this crazy stuff. And then they get into it, and all they need is a little older mentor like me to make them get into it more and more and more. And as they're explaining in a three-hour presentation, the process to go from capitalism to communism through socialism, which is why – Never, never, never allow a socialist to not be called a communist or a Marxist is even better. It's all part of the same political philosophy. You're a socialist, a Democrat socialist. You are indeed a Marxist because you want what Karl Marx said is the ultimate reward for the process of socialism through from capitalism to communalism, communism. But. These guys were very honest in this in this one day presentation I was at. They said the only way to do that in the American capitalist system is through the use of blank. What is blank? Violence. Absolutely. They said the capitalists are too attached to their capital, to their well-being, to their lifestyle. They are not going to, if you read Karl Marx, He laid this out in the 1840s, capitalists like being capitalists, they're not going to quit or roll over easily. The only way to move from capitalism through socialism to the utopia, that's the key word, of communism is through a violent revolution. And these kids were preaching the necessity for a violent revolution in America because of
1: Trump. Unbelievable believable and they do that that is exactly what they do when they get out there Uh, you do a lot of undercover work and you mentioned Islam you've uh, penetrated events by that have been conducted by Islamist organizations I want to get to some of that in the second half of the Unite IE radio show but in this first uh, half hour I want to wrap up with your uh, a little bit more about your experience you penetrated in Antifa you were in there for three weeks what were they planning what were they plotting what kinds of things were they uh organizing to do in florida that you learned
2: i have <laughs> i have pictures of me standing in front of <clears throat> donald trump's house mar-a-lago his uh southern white house i have pictures of me standing in front of it holding signs you know down with trump you know overthrow <laughs> trump "The pigs must die all these crazy signs So, look, back then, which was the 19th of November, 2016, they wanted to uh, initiate a movement to get rid of Trump, impeach him. The initial meeting was uh, 2,000 people marching on Mar-a-Lago. And from there, these little groups that I got involved with spun off, and uh, they were trying to get organized. And, you know, God bless them. (laughs) Satan, bless them, whatever. Um, they try, but you're in Palm Beach, you know. Uh, um, let, let's just say it's possible that that I could have been working with the local police department at this time also. So, you know, the cops knew everything that was going on. So they they really got nowhere in Palm Beach. They had a few of their meetings. They kind of, after about a year and a half, they fizzled out. Um, If Trump gets reelected, I think we're going to have unbelievably increased violence because these people are going to think their life has ended. So I fear for the future because these people will do damage.
1: All right, you said something. I'm going to hold that thought over for our, as we continue here on the United I radio show after the break, you said, if Donald Trump is elected, I want to get back to the debates, want to get to the election of 2020. And I want to get to some of your thoughts about Trump doctrine and what happened with Iran recently. Uh, and uh, there's so much more, so much more territory we can cover, especially because one of your first loves is the country of Israel and you travel there. So we want to learn more about what you've uh, uncovered and learned in some of your Recent, recent trips to Israel. We're talking to Tom Trento, the director of The United West. You can follow their work at the theunitedwest.org Back after a break to honor our sponsors on the Unite Inland Empire Radio Show.
3: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event Heard Weekends here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM590, The Answer.
4: NMLS ID number California VRE ID number Arizona MLO license number branch NMLS ID number 1841782, summit incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number equal housing opportunity.
1: Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the uh, activists out there. The most important political office is the private citizen. A lot of people don't know that because we've stopped uh, teaching civics in elementary school. I got a good dose of civics in the second, third, and fourth grade and realized the beauty, the miracle of living in a republic at an early age, something that the children of today don't get. In fact, Tom Trento, who joins us from the United West, Tom, out here, instead of, instead of teaching civics in elementary school, we have a brand new, and I'm going to use air quotes, health curriculum Unair quote that teaches kids as early as kindergarten about what about the trans world, teaches kids as early as seventh and eighth grade about other forms of sex to avoid getting pregnant, and then in high school actually gives them coaching on how to have these conversations with their parents to change their parents' minds about the aforementioned. Topics. It's getting really crazy out here. And if we don't stop it here, Tom, it's coming out there. What are they teaching kids in elementary school in Florida these days?
2: Yeah. um, Yeah, there's a million things I could say. Uh, There are efforts to uh, penetrate the system in Florida. 20 million people. We're the third largest state in the union. You're number one with something like 40 million. Uh, 30 million. 34 million over in Texas. We have 20 million. So these are big states, and there's been a lot of efforts with um, various curricula, but we got some pretty good watchdogs. And overall, uh, we have a lot of conservatives watching elementary education, public school education, and we now have a superstar governor who's I was going to say, of, yeah, Ron DeSantis, well, how lucky are you? Superstar, he's getting rid of uh, Common Core. So um, the efforts to mess up the system are there, but we've uh, we've had more victories than losses over the years. So we're we're in pretty good shape compared to California.
1: Well, that's great. They're not going to get socialist uh, training in your elementary school and your in your. Uh, in your- K through twelve. That was a big a part of our conversation in the beginning of the show. The socialist narrative that emerged in the debates that happened this week. There was uh, poli- There were policy uh, prescriptions. Everything from let's get rid of one point six trillion dollars worth of college debt to free health care to J- Julian Castro, and I guess it would be. Julian Castro, uh, but I like julian i don 't know I think it's uh, a little more uh, descriptive <laughs> of who he is. Uh, julian Castro is saying we need to get rid of criminalizing people who cross the border, decriminalize c- border crossing Tom w- w- probably one of the biggest reasons that uh, Donald Trump got elected was that was a, one of his one of his first major conversations with the american people when he came down the escalator was we got a problem with our immigration system he struggled for two years to try to correct that ship first with a republican congress got nowhere uh of course isn't going to get anywhere with the current congress that we've got the divided houses if you will what about julian castro saying let's decriminalize border crossing
2: yeah, well uh we, we here at the IOS affectionately labeled the uh, the focus of Castro's work and others as uh you know drug trafficking um and child trafficking. This is vote trafficking. Vote trafficking. They are simply trying to import votes from areas where they feel confident that the vote that's been trafficked into the United States will blossom and result in uh, a Democrat agreed position. And if they can vote traffic enough times, they change the demographic of the country so that Republicans, the people that uh, believe you can't give free crap away <laughs> in right. a country, um, will be defeated. And the reason here's the here's the bizarre part of it. Now people don't have uh, second day effects. They don't think about second day effects. They think about first day effects. Okay, you know, let this person in, and all of a sudden they are bringing with them the same dynamics, the same political approach, because they're going through the Democrat Party that they're running away from. So they're bringing their poop hole, crap hole country system (laughs) to vote trafficking into the United States when, in fact, they thought they were running away from the country they were frightened of, supposedly. So the whole concept collapses on itself, but it doesn't matter, because if you have one vote more to vote for a crazy idea, then you have to not vote for it. Guess what? You get the crazy idea.
1: Uh, AOC said, uh, made up, made made some headlines when she referred to as the detention centers that are currently being used as concentration camps. Of course, one of the things that the left never seems to remember is that a lot of this happened under their uh, flag bearer. Barack Obama. He was the, he, he infamously in 2014, there were pictures of kids in cages that somehow got resurfaced and recirculated in 2018. Everybody said, look at what Donald Trump was doing until they all got called on the fact that those were actually pictures taken during the Obama administration. But this notion that AOC calls these facilities concentration camps is such an egregious. And because because of your relationship with Israel and your study of history and everything about the development of of Israel, I got to believe, shouldn't this be something, another arrow in the heart of the relationship between American Jews, U.S. Jews and the Democrat Party when their new standard bearer, maligns the legacy of the Jewish people literally the horrific uh, assault on the Jewish people uh, by Adolf Hitler relabels the effort to contain this breach of our southern border as concentration camps I've never seen in the world anywhere where people were rushing across a border to get into a concentration camp <laughs> the notion the notion that she's called these concentration camps Shouldn't this fracture the relationship between the liberal Jews who inexplicably support the Democrat policies, particularly the international policies of the Democrats? Shouldn't this fracture their relationship? What's it going to take? All
2: right. Well, here's here's the situation. What's it going to take? It's going to take much more than that because my Israeli friends tell me that American Jews love abortion more than they. Care for the state of Israel. Oh my! Now that's a difficult concept to swallow. But the American Jews, my Israeli friends, tell me now in Israel, in Israel Donald Trump polls at about ninety nine percent popularity. He can become the prime minister tomorrow. And uh, in the United States, you know, eighty percent of American Jews can't stand Trump. My Israeli friends say social issues like abortion, like gay rights, all of that. That's the hallmark of what an American Jew believes he should be. And there's a lot of historic reasons for this, but the the political calculus that Ocasio-Cortez has initiated, once you got into an office in the Capitol, when that happens, it's a power trip. You have lobbyists knocking on your door. You have every special interest group you have jet aircraft at your disposal you have seats at the best restaurant she's been inundated with a segment of uh of uh americana that is marxist so she did her electoral calculus and said uh, do i care about the Jews that helped get me elected in my little district in uh in in uh, in new york or am i looking at more of a global approach to me being a congresswoman from the you know one of the largest states in the union so she has abandoned the jewish supporters her jewish supporters and she is going for a more globalist marxist approach because she believes she'll get more votes more money from that point of view and she not doubled down she tripled down today when she said that Oh, everybody criticized me for calling them concentration camps. But look, we had the director uh, who resigned, and we now the Bank of America saying that they're no longer going to fund the development of the, uh, the holding centers for the U.S. government. They're not going to finance it anymore. So she declared those as victory based upon her having the courage to call the detention centers concentration camps.
1: Well, I guess the the folks that work for Wayfair, and I've I've been on that website a couple times to look at some of the things that they have. I actually might uh, decide to do to buy from them only because they were willing to sell furniture to the U.S. government to be used in the detention centers. But apparently, that triggered almost their entire employee base who walked off the job because Wayfair was providing. Furniture for these detention centers. We, we, we touched on Israel. I want to get back with you after the break, Tom, to talk about Iran, talk about some of your recent trips to Israel. Tell our listeners a little bit about what uh, bring them current on what's going on over in the Middle East. We're talking to Tom Trento, the director of Unite. Uh, I almost said Unite IE of theunitedwest.org uh, an important website for folks to go to to plug into those issues we'll be back with more on the Unite IE radio show after a break for, from our sponsor for this half hour
0: All Star Collision the place to go when you have an accident because they are truly the kings
4: of rock and roll I'm back after this Mention AM 590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Car Star, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590, The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio show, the radio show for the most important political office that a of private citizen we have as a guest. Tom Trento, director of the UnitedWest.org. Greg Britton, my co-host on the United IE radio show, had to take a personal day off. So we invited Tom into the bunker so he could help us to sort out debates, sort out Israel, sort out the Middle East. Telsey Gabbert was the winner of the Drudge snap poll from last night, I got to believe when it comes to the debates, Tom, the reaction from the national audience probably ranged from who is that to, oh, yeah, that guy. So one of the people probably that falls into the who is that category is Tulsi Gabbard. She got introduced to the national audience last night and in a big way. She was one of the most searched uh, of the debaters, if you will. Uh what of Tulsi Gabbard? She uh, in fact she she uh, bragged about her uh service to the country and the big head scratcher I always have is when someone who has served in our military uh aligns themselves with the political left. I don't get it, but you have some thoughts on Tulsi. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um and and I'm torn again as a Christian, I'm I'm torn to determine whether she's one of the most despicable people I've ever listened to in my life, or whether she's just a uh, uh, has has um, severe emotional mental issues that has uh, caused her to uh, land where she is now. And the reason I say all this uh, at one point in her life, she's not that old. She's only like 40 years old, 39 years old she's done 14 years in the military. Um I think one year in Iraq uh in, in the medical unit supposedly in a combat area and then in the reserves uh I think she's in the National Guard. So you know my hat is off to her for her service and volunteering. I don't know how tough it was cuz she really played it up. I mean she really played up and she's a you know an expert on all these these areas I uh, she's not an expert, believe me, on, on Middle East politics uh, and Middle East geopolitics. But here's what got me, the social issues. She was raised, it, it appears, either as a very conservative Catholic or, or evangelical. She went to um, uh, Christian school, and uh, her father, I believe, was a Christian leader, pastor. And early on, early in her life, she was a hardcore pro-lifer, leading pro-life events, speaking on pro-life issues. All of this, and and hardcore anti-gay activism. She came out against, you know, homosexuality from a biblical perspective. Came out against gay marriage from a biblical perspective, and and you know, just was a, was a seemed to be a well-rounded. Christian who understands the principles of God. Homosexuality is wrong, you can't endorse that. And abortion is wrong, you can't endorse that. What's so right. hard to understand about that, right? Today, she has apologized to the pro abortion community and the pro gay community, saying that she was misguided in her early days. And now she's an activist for the pro abortion com- community. And an activist for the gay community. What in the world? So I started investigating her a little bit. And I saw that she has shifted her religion from a Christian base to guess what?
1: I don't have a clue.
2: She is now a Hindu. Oh. Let that sink in. She's a Hindu. Now, a Hindu religion is very, very bizarre. It's 330 million different deities. Uh, There is a whole variety of levels to reality. And a lot of the reality that we see is based upon the punishment you're receiving now from your behavior in a former life. So if you buy into the Hindu caste system, which is directed from one of the top gods, And you're you're, uh, a homosexual or you're somebody who's for abortion. This is your lot in life. This is where you are. This is where you have to stay. So I haven't completed my study of her, but the only insight that's helping me understand how she shifted from a solid Judeo-Christian perspective on life and, and sanctity of sexuality to her bizarre positions now is this shift in her religious view to a religion that could incorporate those uh, two um, belief systems today. So I find that despicable for her to, um, to push forth her wonderful service to the country and yet work to undermine the fabric of how God built this country to make it a great country.
1: You know, it's interesting you bring her up. I just scanned an article that came out in Politico as you were talking in January, documenting her apology. The article starts off, and this is how disingenuous the, the, the left-leaning uh, media is. The, the In the second paragraph, right in the beginning, it says, I grew up knowing that every person is a child of God, equally loved by God. So it clearly references her uh, according to you, former uh, worldview, uh spiritual view, her relationship with God, but nowhere in this article, does it mention anything about her transition over to uh, a Hindu framework for her spiritual beliefs? This, which should be a part of this. I mean, if she's having this uh, personal sort of aha moment, she's woke now, as they like to say on the left, um, Shouldn't that article be complete with a description that she's no longer a Christian, but she now embraces Hindu religion, uh, Hinduism, as you said, so many deities. So you're left, the reader of this article is left to believe that she's still sort of a Christian. It doesn't say Christian in the beginning, but, you know, believing in God um, and never once references her spiritual transition. That's completely disingenuous.
2: Oh, 100%. But, you know, in a sane world, it wouldn't be that way, but this is not a sane world. Anyway, back to my early points about the Marxist mind has become demented logically, and when you become demented logically, you're at an internal battle with the Spirit. God. We still have an imago day, the image of God. No matter how horrendous you are, you're a child made in God's image. When your mind starts to fight against that, you have to suppress it. The Bible says you steer your conscience. When you do that, you have to justify your new action, and you come out with all these bizarre theories and thoughts justifying why you believe the way you do now, and that results in a in a mental imbalance, a mental deficiency in the way your brain and your mind ought to function. So mm. that's where I think she is. She's fighting against the Imago Dei in her, because of the environmental political pressure where she wants to be, to be an elected official in Hawaii and at the person in, in what's called an existential crisis. She's a mess. All
1: right. got to leave the, the debates right there. Let's transition over very quickly. We've got about three and a half minutes left with Tom Trento of the theunitedwest.org. First thing I want to ask you, Donald Trump called off a strike against uh, Iran after he found out that there would be some collateral damage. Uh, Donald Trump's approach to dealing with Iran—what uh, are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, if the, the 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 calling off of the strike, if it was a tactical move, I applaud him. If it was a strategic move, it's dumb. Okay, by that I mean if. He has a strategy to contain uh, nuclear development by Iran, and he's going to work that strategy out. And this, this step back was just a tactic, a little piece of the overall strategy for negotiating, for whatever reason, excellent. But if he's capitulated out of not wanting to start a war, then he's made a very, very serious mistake. Those are the two ways of looking at it. What do I think? I think that um, that he's so in touch with the Israelis that they probably said, look, not right now. Um, we know, everybody knows, if we strike Iran, no matter what, if we hit one of their tankers, if we take out their Air Force, if we take out their Navy, taking out their Air Force and Navy would take about 48 hours. We can take out their, their Navy and their Air Force, and they know that. They're going to fight a proxy war through uh, their terrorists in different countries. And they're going to unleash holy hell out of southern Lebanon against Israel. Mm. They want to draw Israel into the battle so that Muslims worldwide see that this is Armageddon for for Islam. And uh, they start unleashing attacks worldwide against non-Muslims. That's what Iran wants to initiate. Israelis probably told Trump, look, take a step back. We gotta we gotta adjust a couple of things and uh you know, we'll let you know when it's okay to strike. I think he's following the direction of the
1: Israelis. Interesting. And you would know that. You spend a lot of time in Israel. We've got, unfortunately, Tom, your wheelhouse of, of your ability to talk on s- uh, such a huge variety of topics uh, has brought us to near the end of the Unite IE radio show. But I want to give you about a minute to give us, if you can, uh, a top takeaway or two from your recent trips to Israel and just what's going on over there.
2: Yeah, I just got back from a three-week um, national security tour on border sovereignty and sure. Security. We were briefed by the IDF top guys who built all the walls and fences, and uh, the bottom, and I'm leaving in two days to go back for two weeks, the bottom line is that the Israelis had the same exact problems we had. They had people coming out of Africa through the southern tip of Israel trying to come in to live a better life economically in, in Israel, and they had terrorists trying to come in to kill them. We had the same problems. They developed a political will to put up physical barriers, which you need—a wall, a fence, some physical barrier—and then the electronic, high-tech systems and men on the ground, women on the ground, to implement the systems. They shut down, shut down illegal immigration, 99%, and shut down virtually all terrorism coming across the border. In uh, in a way in which it used to happen, 95% could be done here in the United States, but. The Marxist Democrats want to vote traffic and bring illegals in to change the demographic of the country. And on 2020, November 3rd, if President Trump loses, we are royally screwed in the United States of America.
1: Wow, what a way to put a bow on our show today. Tom, you're the best. Tom Trento, theunitedwest.org. We'll have to have you back after you come back from Israel for a new for a further update on that. I appreciate all your work. Appreciate all our listeners. Have a great week. Tune in to the United Eye Radio Show every
4: week on Saturday at four P.M.